This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, January 4th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, remembering Roby Peabody. A last call for health insurance open enrollment. Crazy collars and huge headdresses come to tab. And a mountain weather forecast. James Roby Peabody was the best of Telluride. He's the godfather of Telluride. He's one of the last of a dying breed of Telluriders. That's Brady Pitt, a friend of Peabody's. Very humbled to be Roby's friend in that sense of, you know, Roby knew everybody. Roby made friends with a lot of people. Someone who will always have a shoulder to cry on, always have an ear to listen to, always pick you up when you're down, um, always crack a joke, always singing a silly song, um, but always trying to make you smile, always trying to make you laugh. James Roby Peabody passed away on Saturday, December 30th. He had been fighting lung cancer, but had high hopes of beating it. He was found dead by friends in his Telluride home. Peabody was 48 years old. Roby Peabody moved to Telluride in 1996 after graduating from high school in Maine. His aunt and uncle, Terry and Donna Fernald, took him in and put him to work driving a snowcat, making big jumps on the mountain. In the winter of 1999, he was living in Vail. That's where Pitt met him. I went to go see a string cheese concert in Vail and uh, needed a place to stay. And it just happened to be that the person that I was with knew Roby. And so we stayed at Roby's house. The rest, Pitt says, is history. It's a long, long story of... Many, many good times and many bad times and many in-between times. Um, But he's a man, a myth, a legend. Um, He's a friend. He's a brother, a companion. Um, he, He was just a great person who was always there for you. A local wild man, fearless snowboarder, arborist, naked bike rider, lover of bacon and bourbon, and Lunar Cup organizer, Peabody held on to his love of Telluride with his laugh. It embodied his spirit of Telluride. The mountains called him. He loved Telluride dearly. Um, He loved what the mountains stood for um, and the fun that you could have in the mountains. He never wanted to lose sight of that, even though we all have to work really hard here for what we have. Um, not to lose sight of why we live in the mountains, um, because it's a truly special place. Truly special people live in this place. Pitt says it's the least he can do to carry on that legacy. You know, whether it was eating breakfast sandwiches and coffee and going snowboarding in the morning, or arguing over a girlfriend, or playing video games, um, or just hanging out. Uh, um, it, It was that ski bum life that we all lived for in our 20s. Um, And then we moved into our 30s and our 40s and hopefully our 50s. And, you know, we'll continue that lifestyle of the free-spirited mountain life, um, which is, you know, far and few between, I feel. Um, But he he held that responsibility very high um, and, and hopes that others would follow. James Roby Peabody is survived by his parents, Charles and Patricia, and his sisters, Bethany and Rachel. Roby's friends are collecting photos and memories of his life. Anyone with photos to share can send them to pescadosushi at gmail.com.
Open enrollment for health insurance through Connect for Health Colorado is now. Open enrollment is when anybody can apply for insurance, regardless if your job offers you insurance, if you had private insurance and you want to switch. Open enrollment is open for anybody to enroll as long as you're a Colorado resident. And after the 15th of January, uh, we fall into what's called a special enrollment period. That's Cecilia Castro, an enrollment specialist and cultural navigator with the Tri-County Health Network. During special enrollment, Castro explains insurance is available only in life-changing circumstances, such as a birth, a divorce, a move into the state, and so on. So for most Colorado residents interested in health care, the time to sign up is before that January 15th deadline. The Tri-County Health Network offers assistance getting signed up. Simply visit their website, make an appointment. It could be virtual or in person um, through Zoom or over the phone. And we fill out an application on Connect for Health or if they've already been on Connect for Health, we log into their account. We go through the application with them and show them their options. Uh, Those options vary depending on household size, age, um, gender, and especially income. Once the applicant finds the right plan for them, the TCH enrollment specialist helps complete the sign-up process, and voila, you're covered. This is Castro's third open enrollment period working with TCH, and she's helped connect some 400 area residents to a healthcare plan. I've had many people, many of my clients come back to me and thank me because, you know, they were able to get their knee replacements or they were able to pay just whatever their out-of-pocket max is instead of $120,000, $200,000 when things have happened. So it Seems like it's a lot and kind of useless to some people to just have it because they don't think they're going to need it. But when that time comes that you do need it, the people that do get it just in case are super thankful about that. For Spanish-speaking residents, TCH has bilingual specialists, including Castro. She emphasizes there are healthcare options for you, regardless of income, family size, or background. What keeps Castro motivated? Just in general, just um, helping the community and Giving my community, which is the Spanish population, an understanding of what actually health insurance is, what deductible means, what out-of-pocket max means, um, and knowing in detail and how to explain it to them in a way they understand is really rewarding. Even if you're on the fence about health insurance or what might be right for you, Castro says if you're currently uninsured, it doesn't hurt to call TCH. I just really want to encourage if you are even interested in knowing what uh, insurance plan you could possibly be on, give us a call. There isn't um, any requirement to sign up. There isn't an obligation to take a policy. You could just call, get information. We can do an application. Um, And if it's something that doesn't fit you, then it doesn't fit you. But don't stay without knowing. That number is 970-708-7096 or visit tchnetwork.org. And don't wait. Open enrollment ends on the 15th of January. In the depths of Telluride winter, locals stomp the runway in glitter and glam as part of the Telluride AIDS Benefit Fashion Show. But between the lines of high-end fashion and tight choreography sits a line of wearable art. It's easy to get sidetracked with fashion, and only have it be about fashion, but the roots of it 
were also about funk. That's Kathleen Morgan, wearable art coordinator for the Telluride AIDS Benefit Fashion Show. It was such a good time back in the 90s, and we need to keep that piece in the AIDS benefit, to me, it's crucially important. The fashion show started back in the mid-90s when local artists Robert Presley, who was living with AIDS himself, Candy DeGras, and Diva Chisonis got together to raise money for AIDS treatment in the region. Either the first or second year, Diva really got into um, a free box line, and I helped her do a free box line one year. We did 50, I did 50 outfits in two weeks, which was a little insane, but it was so much fun. And... As Tab went on, that free box line diminished or disappeared or became kind of, it wasn't the fixture it had been. And so when I started coming back into Tab, I said, we got to have, we got to have some Robert in here. We got to have some funk, some a way for locals to be creative. And just like that, wearable art was created. Each year, the Wearable Arts Committee selects a theme to engage artists and push them to think outside the box. And I sat and thought, what would Robert be creating? If he was still with us, what, what would be fascinating to him? Morgan landed on crazy collars and huge headdresses. I just noticed people were making them. I was like, why don't we focus on that and really push it? She adds, it's a lovely homage to Robert Presley. He loved huge hats. One year, um, Easter was in the middle of off-season in April, and he made um, Tara from Gone with the Wind on a hat, <laughs> like the whole, all kinds of details, and walked up and down Main Street with it. And there were like, you know, five dogs and two people. And he just loved the process. And that just that just kept coming back to me. Morgan notes, once an artist is selected to create a piece of wearable art, that's just the beginning. I mentor every artist the whole way through till we're on stage of talking about materials and structure and ways to build things. And if they thought about this or if they thought about that or where are they stuck, what advice do they need? Because a lot of people have great, great ideas but they haven't spent time on the theater stage. And for Tab, you have to look at those pieces from 70 feet away and say, what does the viewer see? It's not on display. It's not up close and personal, unless you're in the fabulous front row. But helping people understand how to build on a costume level. When it comes to what ideas Morgan and Tab are looking for, she turns once again to Presley. Robert would say any material is a material. You could build out a burlap. Um, we used to build out a visqueen. Um, there are no proper materials for construction. Anything. I mean, the free box is just a never-ending gift. It, anything is a material. Applications for Tab's wearable art are due by Monday, January 8th. Everyone is encouraged to submit an idea. Model auditions for the fashion show will take place on Friday, January 12th and Saturday, January 13th. Wearable art applications and model audition signups are available at TellurideAidsBenefit.org. The snow may be a bit lackluster, but that doesn't eliminate the need to shovel or plow. Next week, the town of Telluride will be plowing the Shandoka parking lot. The town will plow the south side of the lot on Tuesday, January 9th, and it'll plow the north side on Friday the 12th, which was rescheduled from Friday the 5th. Plowing runs both days from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Cars left on the plow side of the lot on the plow day will be ticketed and towed.
Begin the year with a last waltz at the Wilkinson Public Library this Friday. That's a concert film for those in the know. Hailed as one of the greatest documentary concert films ever made, The Last Waltz depicts the final concert of Canadian-American rock group The Band, with special appearances from Bob Dylan, Eric Clapton, Joni Mitchell, and other musical legends. The concert took place on Thanksgiving Day in the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco, the year 1976. Two years later, Martin Scorsese released his documentary of the performance, featuring original footage, interviews with performers, and studio renditions of classic hits. The viewing at the library this Friday, the 5th, begins at 6 p.m., and attendees are invited to waltz the night away, or just sit and enjoy. The Last Waltz kicks off a winter-long series of concert film showings, co-sponsored by the Wilkinson Public Library and yours truly here at KOTO. To find out more, visit telluridelibrary.org. The first benefit will be distributed to Colorado workers next week from the state's new paid leave initiative. The Family and Medical Leave Insurance Program covers time off for things like serious health conditions, taking care of a family member, or having a baby. The program has received over 5,000 claims since its online portal went live in November. More than 3,000 of those have been approved. The state is holding virtual town halls about the program on January 10th and February 1st. Colorado's presidential primary contest is coming up on March 5th. And former president and current frontrunner for the Republican nomination Donald Trump is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to put him back on the ballot. On Wednesday, Trump announced he was appealing the Colorado Supreme Court's decision issued last month, which barred him from appearing on the state's primary ballot, citing the 14th Amendment's insurrection clause. The Colorado's court decision, however, specified the Supreme Court should have the final say. Now that Trump has appealed, the highest court can issue a decision at any time, but it's unclear how quickly they will act. Time is of the essence. The Colorado Secretary of State's office hopes to print ballots this Friday in order to mail them to overseas voters by January 20th. It is possible for Trump to appear on initial ballots and later be disqualified by a future Supreme Court decision, but such a situation could lead to confusion. Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold has asked the U.S. Supreme Court to act with urgency on the contentious matter. The first conventional uranium mining done in the U.S. in eight years is underway at three mines in Utah and Arizona. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Chris Clements of KSJD has more. Energy Fuels Resources says that it plans to stockpile and eventually process the uranium at its White Mesa Mill facility in southeastern Utah, the last of its kind still operating in the U.S. Scott Clough is the Environmental Programs Director for the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe, which is located near the White Mesa Mill. Clough says he and the tribe oppose the increase in uranium production, citing the potential for a rise in air pollution for tribal residents living near the mill. He's also concerned about the contamination of groundwater. They continue to uh, not acknowledge the legacy of pollution and harm that this industry has done to Native Americans, especially around the Four Corners. 
Energy Fuel said high market prices for uranium combined with helpful government policies and the high demand for fuel for nuclear power plants also led to the decision to increase mining. This winter, Close says the tribe hopes that a Utah regulatory agency won't renew the uranium mill's application for a groundwater discharge permit. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. About 30,000 people fleeing violence and instability in Venezuela have arrived in Denver over the past year. Many are now seeking work and opportunity in rural communities like the Roaring Fork Valley, where over 100 migrants have arrived in recent months. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Aspen Public Radio reporters Eleanor Bennett and Hallie Zander spent time getting to know members of the group who have been representing their peers in meetings with local governments and nonprofits. Here's Astrobal Alvarado talking through an interpreter about life was like in Venezuela and why he decided to leave his family and kids to come to the U.S. in his hopes for what might come next. Yo vivía en un estado que se llama Guarico, que calabozo. I used to live in a place called Guarico, in Calabozo. I live with my family, my parents, my mom, my dad, my siblings. The most beautiful thing for me was my childhood, you know, and the country because I love horses. Since I can remember, I've been riding them. On Sundays when we were little, we would get together and we would go to run the horses. And then whoever would win would be so happy. You know, it was like this joy that made you feel like the best child around. And then I went to university, to military school, and I was 16. After I graduated, that's when the situation in my country changed. I had a job as a supervisor, and there were a lot of threats about death from higher-ups. So I decided that it was for my well-being and for my family that I had to leave and come here to look for better opportunities, for a better life. I left February 14th this year, and the goal was to get to the United States, but I didn't have anyone here to receive me. I don't have any family. God was the only one that was with me. It's not an easy trip because you have to go through six or seven countries, Colombia, Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala, and Mexico. The only part where you cannot communicate with your family is when you get to Panama, going through the jungle, you know, because there's nothing there, nothing at all. That's the ugliest part, that jungle. And you learn a lot of things, you know, survival, because there are some days that you have something to eat, and there's some that you don't have enough money to eat that day. You have to sleep outside, you know, underwater. Yo salí solo, pero uno en el camino y en la selva, ve, que uno ahí aprende a compartir, a ser amable, de si te regalan un pan de ese pan comemos todo. I left alone, but along the way and in the jungle, you learn to share, you learn to be kind. If someone gives you a piece of bread, from that piece of bread, everybody will eat. Sometimes I don't have a blanket and he has a blanket and he gives me a piece of it. There's a lot of things that you learn on that trip because it's not easy at all. We were able to make it together. The group that I was in, the day that we showed up, we were sent to immigration and I was like, my God, I was never in jail in my country and now I'm here and now I'm going to a prison, an immigration prison. It was three months in New Mexico, but after the three months, there's more opportunities. They gave us an ID number and a piece of paper 
with which we can be here. We had to find an attorney so they can help us process, but we can't get a job so that we can pay the attorney. How are we going to get that money for the process? Trabajamos cinco días en el paso, completamos el pasaje para Denver y nos vinimos. Lo que llegamos a Denver nos dijeron que ahí estaba ese refugio y buscamos trabajo en el Jundipo. We worked five days in El Paso. We had enough money to buy the ticket to get to Denver. And when we got there, they told us about the shelter, and then we tried to find some work. But then they gave us 12 days at the shelter and then kicked us out. The six that were together, you know, we went through the same process with immigration, and we are here. My companion and I decided to go towards the mountains to this town, and it's been okay. They've opened the doors for us. We're very grateful for this town because we've had people show up to help us to share something. What do you need? How can we help you? We're not here, you know, to be a burden. We're not here to hurt anyone. We are here with faith to move forward in our lives. La mayor esperanza es que podamos conseguir un trabajo y que estemos estables. Si hemos trabajado un día, dos días, tres días, my biggest hope is that we can find jobs and that we can all just be stable. We've worked a day, two days, three days. There's people that come and find us and they're like, here, come. I need you for an hour, two hours, three hours, roofing, gardening, and then construction help. If God would allow it one day, maybe I can have my own company for, you know, yard maintenance. If I'm able to work on a ranch, I would be happy. It's in my blood, in my veins, and hopefully one day, God willing, I'll be able to have a bunch of horses, my own horses. Back in Venezuela, my child who's four, he has a horse. He's just like his dad. No es fácil dejar sus raíces, sus costumbres, a la madre, sus hijos. It's not easy to leave your roots and to just pick up and leave your mother, your children, to leave to a place where you don't know anyone, where you're a stranger. You have to adapt yourself and, you know, keep fighting for your dreams. That was Astrobal Alvarado talking about leaving his home and family in Venezuela and making the long journey to the Roaring Fork Valley. Reporter Hallie Zander and I spoke with Astrobal through interpreter Claudia Paul with Convey Language Solutions. Our conversation was edited for clarity and length and then re-recorded in English by Brian Alvarez Terrazas. Eleanor Bennett, Aspen Public Radio News. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 50% chance of snow showers tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Friday, there's a 50% chance of snow showers during the day with partly sunny skies and a 60% chance of snow showers at night with mostly cloudy skies. The high is in the mid-20s with a low around 10 degrees. One to two inches of snow accumulation is possible. Saturday calls for partly sunny skies and a chance of snow with a low around 20 degrees. Saturday night, snow showers are likely with a low around 10 degrees. This has been the news for Thursday, January 4th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.